Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our introductionary podcast for our Woody Allen retrospective right here on planettyro.com. I'm your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm going to be doing this particular project with my fellow cinema, media, aficionado, buddy, co-host on many a podcast we've done in the past. I'm going to reintroduce you guys, if you don't know the man himself, to uh, Simon Red. Welcome, everybody. Finally, we're here. We're doing this. It's been a long time in the making, but I'm glad you guys are joining us, and I'm glad to be part of it, so thank you for the invite. Oh, I'm really glad you're going to be a part of this for many reasons, but Simon, you don't know how long I've been planning to do this for. I've been planning for a very long time. And before we can start on this podcast, what I want to do with this introductory podcast, I want to actually lay out what we're going to tackle moving forward, how we're going to do it, and I want to talk about our current thoughts on Woody Allen, the actor, director, comedian, our current experiences. Before we go down this rabbit hole of four decades worth of movies, over 50-ish movies, TV series, so much things we want to talk about. But before, I want the people to understand how we're going to tackle it. I've already announced on a lot of Woody Allen fan sites. Some people want to hear about it. So we're going to have fun with this one, guys. This, is, this isn't going to be a super highbrow super professional production me and simon are just your casual movie goers we're fans of woody allen to a certain degree we'll explain about that in a bit more but we're not film snobs guys i think you can say we're very critical that's for sure and we we are very opinionated and we're going to be somewhat informed on our thoughts but guys it should go without saying everything we discuss from this point on our own opinions well you you can call that i I know for a fact i'm never wrong so what i say is the truth (laughs) you got the opinions well (laughs) well you guys are going to understand the kind of personality simon is he's a very entertaining guy but regardless what he just said it's our opinions and whatever we say guys we're not you know me and simon even even though we get along and we share similar points we're coming from two completely different perspectives i mean we're, com- we're completely different people. I mean, he's a tall, white, American slash European guy. I'm a black, burly, British guy. You know, we grew up, with, there's an age difference between us. We've got completely different perspectives. And that's one of the reasons why I'm glad I have Simon on. Because he's not like me. He's got a different way of seeing things. And so do I. And Wow, you just threw away like half of Paul McCartney's song catalog right there. <laughs> Are we supposed to be all one and the same? What are you talking about? Well, no, we appreciate each other's differences. And if we're all the same, it's not interesting. Why would we want to be the same? Why would we want to agree? It's more interesting if we pick off each other, see what we see. And I know what you're trying to do, Sam. You're already starting You're already starting <laughs> a debate when we haven't even started this thing. Come on now. Ebony and Ivory. So as Come I, on, sing it, sing it, that, sing it. Well, I'm, to see, there you go. I don't even know the song. That, that just goes to show how different we are. I don't even know. I'm not the biggest fan of Paul McCartney. So, you know. Your boy Stevie's in there too, motherfucker. Well, anyway. My ignorance is at all time like. So, Simon, thanks again for joining us on this. Let's not derail this introduction too much. <laughs> well, blackmail is effective, so I'm here to say. Yeah. Guys, on a whole, if we look at Woody Allen's catalogue, you know he's got over 40 or 50 movies. Even if we did one movie a week, it would take over a year. I mean, and barring... Me and Simon are busy. We're both working outside of this. We're not getting paid to do this. This is like a personal passion project. So chances are this is going to be an ongoing thing. And, you know, I am going to apologize in advance if there's some weeks we can't be there or reviews don't come at a timely manner. 
I intend to attack everything eventually, but this might take some time. And I really hope you guys are going to stick around for the long haul. It is exciting. I mean, by the time we're going to be done with this next year, it's going to be 50 years since Woody Allen entered the big screen, which is uh, it's pretty remarkable. That's uh, half a century. Yeah. And also, it, it's the reason I'm excited about this, because it's a great opportunity to not only revisit some of his earlier works, but to complete his filmography. Because he has so many movies, it's hard to actually watch them all unless you dedicate time to it. Yeah. Especially since uh, he became so diverse in later years that it's hard to catch a Woody Allen marathon anywhere, in any theaters playing or any DVD box sets, anything like that. You really got to go out of your way. So I recommend anybody who's listening to really not only join us for the, the podcast, but to also join us for the movies. Like watch it at home either before or after listening to the individual reviews of the individual stages of his career. That's pretty much the most enjoyment you're going to get out of this. I, I completely agree. And on that note, Simon, I do want to say we're going to start a, a Twitter hashtag so people can follow along. We're going to use a hashtag Woody Allen Retro. You'll see it in the description below. You can follow us at Planet Tyro, at Planet Tyro. Simon's got a Twitter account as well, at Simon underscore Red. Links in the description. Leave me the fuck out of that. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no some, people, some people might want to contact you directly if they want to you know it's going to be on the screen anyway you can't stop it guys also if you if you want to email us planettyro at gmail.com but to be honest with you twitter is the most convenient for most people so first of all i want to let people know that me and simon have decided and i put this assignment how do you want to attack this and we've decided to go the simple route and do the movies chronologically from start to finish from its early starting point to finish and we're going to start at a particular point but before we get into that, before we talk about the chronology of how we're going to do it, I actually want to talk about our experiences with Woody Allen at this point in time. So, do you want to go first, or should I go first on how we kind of what we know about him, how we what we've seen of him lately, or do you want to go first? You know what? Let the host go first. You know your 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 channel, your stuff. I go d- ahead. You know what? I talk so much. I like, I'm going to give you more of a chance to speak, but uh, I will go first, and I'll try to keep this brief. Now, as I said before. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i going to bring my colour and race into this because when I was, well, I started to get into Woody Allen in about 2003 when my brother had a couple of his movies and he said, you know what, as a black man, because my brother's older than me, he's about 40 right now and I'm 33, and he was like, you know what, man, you know, black people don't like Woody Allen, but he's really good and you should watch some of his movies. And at the time, you know, I was just a pop culture kid. I just like, you know, action movies, stuff like that. So, you know, first he put me onto Annie Hall, which is like the quintessential Woody Allen movie everyone should watch first, whatever. I watched, I thought, this is awesome. And then he gave me movies like Crimes and Misdemeanors and Interiors and so forth. And I just found myself enamored with Woody Allen because culturally, the things I was seeing in Woody Allen's movies was a side of American culture and a class I never really got into. I mean, this nerdy white guy doing, having all these dramatic themes in these adult situations and it was shot so beautifully and the storytelling was so well when i the, the movies i was watching was more of the dramas was more of the intellectual think pieces i watched the comedy stuff as well but i watched woody allen with most of his dramas in fact my favorite woody allen movie well you know i'm gonna say it now my favorite woody allen movie right now is a movie called another woman and we'll get into it's, no one even talks about that movie 
I just got into him because of his drama. And every time I told someone about Woody Allen, they were just, oh, why would you like Woody Allen? He doesn't even like black people. And, you know, he's so nerdy. And, you know, pop culture, I always made jokes with Woody Allen. If you watch The Simpsons, you know, it's always a caricature, that nerdy, demish guy that doesn't know how to talk. So whenever I told someone about Woody Allen, they would always kind of just be very dismissive of me. Like, why do you like this guy, Ford? No one, and, you know, that's part of the reason I'm doing this retrospective because... After watching his most of his movies, which at this point, by the way, I've seen, I haven't watched them for about 10 years, but I've seen most of them. I just think he does really good storytelling. And at this point in his career, he is a lot more respected than he, he has his ups and his downs. But long story short, I've been a fan for Woody Allen for a very long time. Uh, I watched most of, his, most of his movies when I was in my 20s. There was, I learned a lot of stuff about his culture as a nerdish white guy in New York and it was it was very eye-opening and I think that's one of the best things about cinema you learn things about different cultures and even though we both speak English and you know I'm British so saying that with the islands of different cultures is a weird thing to say but you know as people said he doesn't work with white people that work with black people I don't think that's necessarily because he's racist or whatever I just think as maybe I grew up with not a lot of white people in my circle that was his circle and watching his movies I got to see his life his experiences and I think that's what cinema is. It's someone giving their vision of their life, what they think, or their creativity. And Woody Allen, to wrap this up, is kind of a window, was a window to a completely different universe of cinema to me. Nothing like I'd seen before in action or any superhero stuff. It was completely different to me. And I appreciated that. I still do. And to this day, I'm a little bit surprised that if I did a Google search for Woody Allen, he really doesn't come up in like the top 30 or 40 directors, American di- American directors, which is still a surprise to me since he's worked with almost everyone in Hollywood that has a really big name. So that's kind of my history on Woody Allen and I am a big Woody Allen fan. That's, that's me in a nutshell. Wow. I guess you can always learn something new about, about somebody who you know. Here I've, all these years, I thought you were a fan of Woody Allen because he rescued you from Africa or something. I didn't even know this whole backstory. I thought it was something to have to do with adoption or charity. Wow, okay. You son of a bitch. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually watch his movies. Okay, now, now see, now I feel like I know you a little bit better. You also. I, I got a short story. My Mine is very simple. Like okay. My mother is the same generation as Woody Allen, close enough. So when Woody Allen was at the height of his popularity... You know, my mom was in her teens and in her 20s. So she watched a lot of the classics when they were out fresh. So when I was a young kid, um, we would use, we would usually watch something she liked from back in the day. Uh, she would put some Woody Allen movies on. So I saw all the classics like that, Manhattan, Annie Hall, all those ones. And then there was a, sl- was a small gap when I wasn't really interested in seeking out more movies. I always thought he did quality work, but, you know, it was just not something on my radar but then he came back with a a few new films that gained notoriety like midnight in paris and i was like okay there's somebody who's into film and it's kind of like a a, you know a film enthusiast i thought it was the right time to go back and start you know bridging the gap between the early work and the latest work you know kind of fill in the blanks and that's why i rediscovered how diverse his catalog of films is and you know that he he has a lot of movies that are very very underrated or even if it they're critically played uh, praised when they they're not very well known so and this is yeah basically that's it so i'm very straightforward like that 
not a whole lot of controversy or racial tension or any kind of fucking Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no no lifetime drama with me. It's just like he's a good director. I like good directors. He's a good storyteller. I like good storytellers. You know, so yeah, that's about it. I didn't really want to bring race into it, but I I always get the pushback that I'm a <laughs> could black, have fooled me. <laughs> yeah, that I'm a black guy and I like Woody Allen, and I just really hate that connotation. That why? Because I'm a black guy, I shouldn't like Woody Allen. It's ridiculous. I, I know, I, I know what you mean though, because he's such a particular director. You know, it, that's one of the the problems basically many people have with getting into Woody Allen. That now he's almost like he's just like a a, a, a film snob director. You know, most people who rave about his movies are, are you know uh, critics and uh, people who who are like um, movie history buffs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, not a whole lot of mainstream recognition anymore so when somebody like you or me even say you know hey i'm really excited about the new woody allen movie everybody's like what what's that what what is that coming out who cares you know yeah and i think that's also part of uh, his charm as a person that i don't think he really cares about that he was never really focused on promotion and marketing and all that stuff he, yeah. he's always focused on basically the writing and the story of the film and making a movie that's true to what he believes the movie should be not you know what commercially or financially is the best option yeah and you know what you gotta respect woody allen's work ethic he's done a movie every year since the the late uh, maybe one um, i mean almost literally every year since 1969 or even before that but i'm i'm gonna just go i'm gonna start 1969 we'll explain why later but i just want to say 40 years consistently even you know before we started the podcast uh yesterday i sent you a link to his his latest movie he's got down with kate winston and justin timberlake you know he's and i like the fact he always works with new actors he doesn't just have his little niche he's always got people you know scarlett johansson was a favorite of his for a while now it's kind of like jesse eisenberg and I, you know he's i think he's always in touch which is cool and i know well I've got more to say, but I'll, I'm going to ramble on if I continue. But I don't, man. Woody Allen is really cool, I, really I, awesome. And I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. That basically, he, he's almost like another thing that's underrated about him. He makes actors. Like, he took chances on people like Scarlett Johansson when she was just a pretty girl. You know, she was just like basically cast as a hot, hot chick in a movie. And same thing with uh, male actors as well. When somebody doesn't really get... Um, the range in casting choices because they try to box them in. Woody Allen is usually the guy that gives them a chance to do something different or really show their range as an actor. So he he that's why people love working with him as well. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy going through this. And guys, I know some of you guys listening to the podcast might be a lot more professional, film snobby, more particular. You know, I I like the fact so I got Simon on here because he's a I don't want to say you're perfectionist, but he wants to, you know zero in on the details and i do guys but if we miss things out through the reviews through the discussions don't be offended feel free to correct us you know the, there's a reddit group for woody allen that's very been very open about hearing our podcasts we want feedback we're not perfect and you know the reason why our group our channel is called planet tyro if you look up the word tyro that pretty much says it all guys so don't crucify us too much for some of the mistakes we make but we're going to try to be as we're going to try to give as much respect to Woody Allen and the, and you know his movies as we can. But for the record, just because we are fans and we're going to talk about his movies, it doesn't mean we love all of them. And if we don't like them or if we don't like something, believe me, we're going to criticize. That's the point, you know, good and bad. That's how we do it on Planet Tyro. So 
I was about to say, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna give respect to the good ones, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Lord knows he did some bullshit in his back time. Oh yeah, definitely. And I'll be perfectly honest. I'll tell you right now, I'm not the biggest fan of Woody Allen's comedy movies. I think some of them kind of missed the mark. And I do think Woody Allen's funny. For the record, even some of his stand-up is actually a funny guy. But some of his comedy for me, we're gonna get to it because most of his early stuff oh, is it's his comedy era. But but anyway, let's move on, guys. So what I want to do is I actually want to talk about three movies right now all at once. The reason why is I want to talk about Woody Allen's first three forays into movie making. And when I say forays, he wasn't necessarily making a movie. He was either, you know, writing credits, participating. And the three movies, which, guys, you might debate me on this. The three movies I want to talk about is What's New Pussycat? What's up, Tiger Lily? And the 1967 version of Casino Royale. Now, these three movies are movies that Woody Allen obviously was involved in. And What's Up, Tiger Lily specifically is meant to be his first directorial debut. But it's kind of what I would like to call a fan film, which I'll get into in a minute. But basically, guys, we're not going to do these three movies separate. This is the only three movies I want to talk about briefly. If you want us to and you really, really want us to down the line, let us know in future. But right now, the first movie we're going to start with is Take the Money and Run. Because to me, that's his first movie where he shot original film as a director and acted in. So that, to me, is his first film. These other three movies, which I'm going to run through right now, What's New Pussycat with Peter O'Toole, Peter Sellers and Woody Allen. Peter O'Toole was the main character, you know, and he's having all these problems being faithful to a woman that he likes and Woody Allen's a side character. Now, Woody Allen wrote the movie. He actually, this was his first, I believe this was his first scripting duties for this movie. And this is a, if, it's a classic Woody Allen movie. It's whimsical, it's silly, it's very sexy with the women and stuff like that. It's watchable. I thought it was fine and serviceable, but Woody Allen is such a small presence in the movie itself that I don't really feel the need to get into it. But it's it's perfectly serviceable. I think it's perfectly fine. It's okay movie. But again, I I'm not really classing that as Woody Allen's first movie at all. Also, it's a a situation where uh, which is going to be a reoccurring theme with these first three films, at least two of them. That um, it, it gives you a little bit of insight how films were made back in the day. In terms of, it was quite zany. There was a lot going on behind the scenes. It's very 60s, where there's a lot of shaking hands, a lot of last-minute choices being made, a lot of craziness going down in the production. And Woody Allen went on record saying that he was unhappy with a lot of the changes that were made to the screenplay uh, for the, this particular film. So really, when you're judging the film, you're not really judging the original vision or at least the original work Woody Allen did on it, but more like the altered, finer note version. So keep that in mind when you watch it. That's the reason why it may be not as good as it could have been or not as good in comparison to some of his later works Yeah. in terms of writing. Honestly, I even as a Woody Allen film, I still think it's very similar to a lot of his future comedies. So I think it's it's actually as good as his other movies. That I like, I said, I'm not a fan of his comedy, and What's New Pussycat is very similar to uh, some of the other movies we'll get into in future. But it's I think it's okay actually, even for his first movie that he wrote on. I think it's kind of a typical Woody Allen movie, and it's fine. I actually think it's okay. But uh, moving on to What's Up, Tiger Lily. <laughs> this is a you know what. There's, there's the thing I like about this movie, honestly, is I don't know. I didn't research this, guys. Let me know if you're listening to this, if you know this. 
I don't know if this is like one of the first movies that an American director took and kind of redubbed completely. And I know I'm not talking about just dubbing in English. I mean, he took a Japanese movie. I think the movie was called International Secret Police Key of Keys. He took that movie. Just rolls off your tongue. Yeah. He took that Japanese movie. It's a great title. <laughs> he took that movie, <laughs> rewrote it completely, rescripted it. It's a completely different movie, just redubbed. And I don't know at the time, in the late 60s, if another American director had done that. And this is apparently his first direct table debut, uh, debut movie. But he's in the movie at the beginning for, for like five minutes to say, hey guys, this is what I've done with the movie. He's being interviewed, which is kind of funny. I like the fact he's in it to say, he plays the first five minutes of the actual movie and he goes, hey, I took this movie and I redid it. And then he plays you the actual, his version of it redubbed, which is actually about these guys trying to find a, find a recipe for the perfect egg salad, which is completely ridiculous, especially for a Japanese movie that was a, a spy film, you know, a thriller, James Bondy kind of movie. But this movie, upon watching this movie again, this movie has one, well, two really funny elements that are worth watching. First of all, the opening credits to What's Up Tiger Lily it's pretty damn funny because Woody Allen, sorry to say, he's a he's a goddamn pervert, just like a real man. <laughs> and <laughs> the opening the opening credits is very sexual, and there's a little cartoon character of him kind of messing around with this naked chick, and I I loved it. I thought that was very funny. I love I actually love it when you know the 60s animation are done like that, like the Pink Panther kind of style, and they use yeah that exactly in the credits, which is awesome. And this is the most notable thing, and I completely forgot this was in the movie. At the very end of the movie, when the, when his little spoof for the movie's done, the credits come up, and Woody Allen is lying on the chair eating crystal, whatever, and there is a an Asian girl doing a striptease. That's it. The credits are rolling, and there's just a girl dead center while he's lying in the background. She's doing a very sexual striptease. And near the end, and she's a very hot woman. Very, I'm like, damn. And it's so funny because this is one of the, I think, again, this is a testament to Woody Allen as a director. While you're watching the woman, the credits are mostly his name. But then right at the end, it says, if you're reading these credits, there's something wrong with you. You should be watching this naked girl. It's, it's like full, full break. It's really funny. And the funny thing was, I wasn't reading the credits. I, I just caught, what, what, what? And then I realized that he was poking fun. And then just, you know, just before she's about to take down her pants, he says, I had to, she asked me to put this in the movie. I had to put her in somewhere. The end. Hilarious. So for the opening credits and the end credits, the movie is worth it alone. The, the actual spoof, the What's Up Tiger Lily, eh, it's okay. It's humorous, but I would, I just thought, I was kind of bored by it. And it's really, really ridiculous. But, Honestly, I think it's a very creative, smooth movie. And again, I don't know if any American director at the time did anything like that. Now we do that on YouTube and it's a fan film. We do stuff like Dragon Ball Z, Abridged. You know, it's kind of stuff like that. But, you know, now it's kind of a normal occurrence. Back then, he might have been the first to have done it. Yeah, back then it took more effort because you actually had to get some prints from the movie. You couldn't just rip everything off of the internet. I recommend people watch it the way he made it, which is completely stoned, probably, or at least high off your face on something. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best way to do it. Again, very sixties, very zany. Yeah. But uh, also, it's it, you know, you gotta give this to Woody Allen. He always aimed to make something either his or at least very unique. Yeah. So there, there's not really another movie like it. 
at least in his catalog. So give yeah. it a check, but, but get ready for to see something that gets weird at times. Quite weird. Oh, man. And now we have to get to the third and final one. We're going to skim over. Oh, my favorite one. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love this movie. I don't love watching it. Oh, hell no. But I love that it exists. Well, I'm going to let you take the lead. We're going to talk about Casino Royale. And I want to hear, because I spoke about the first two. Why don't you tell us about Casino Royale? There's so much to say with this one. Uh, if people are wondering, hmm, Casino Royale, that sounds like that Daniel Craig James Bond movie. Well, you'll be happy to hear that this is actually the same movie, where at least it's supposed to be. I'm not going to get into it too much, but basically because before James Bond, there has never really been a big movie franchise like that. Yeah. In terms of how to license these movies and the rights, it's been a clusterfuck from the get-go. Most of these books and the making of, of the films and who owns what rights, which producer gets credit and all that has always been a mess. But Casino Royale particularly, because as the first book, before even the film series started, it got licensed by CBS to, for a teledrama. So the first uh, James Bond adaptation was on TV, and he was referred to as Jimmy Bond in that one. Then the rights went to a director who wished to make it into a movie, but he died. And his widow sold the rights to a producer called Charles K. Feldman, who also contemplated making a movie. But this all happened before Bond was even a thing. This happened around 1960. And then in 61, the top 10 books by um, the president at the time, J.F. Kennedy, came out. And because the country loved Kennedy, and he listed From Russia With Love as one of his favorite books, the Bond series was born. They did Dr. No because they didn't have the rights to Casino Royale. And then when it was a hit and they started making sequels, naturally they did Russia With Love second. And the rest is history. So basically Feldman was trying to cash in on the Bond craze. But again, because the behind the scenes was such a mess, them collaborating on the movie, it was basically impossible. So he just decided to do his own comedy spoof version of James Bond called Casino Royale, like the book. But because at that point, most of the films already used plot points and sequences from the actual Casino Royale book, he basically turned to the, the writers and the director at the time and said, we only got the name and the character James Bond. The rest is up to you, so make something up. And this is how we ended up with a movie that has five directors, an army of writers, and at least uh, four or five different James Bonds, including Woody Allen, who plays James Bond's cousin, Jimmy Bond. I thought it was his nephew, oh. not his cousin. Nephew. Did I, did I say cousin? Ne yeah. Nephew. It, yeah. it really doesn't matter. It makes yeah, it no doesn't. sense. The it movie doesn't. makes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. The, the, the whole movie is an army of myths and stories, including Peter Sellers, who apparently at that point was fed up with being a comedian. So he decided he's going to play the whole movie <laughs> straight. But the movie's supposed to be a comedy. And he did zany stuff like he l had this troubled relationship with his wife so he would disappear for weeks off set then he would not tell his co-star what he was going to do so first day on set she would show up and he shot her in the face with a blank bullet burning her and the rest of the the production didn't fare very well the movie was supposed to be shot for six million originally and by the time they were done it doubled to 12 million making it one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time it's absolutely crazy. The movie is a mess. And Woody Allen, who got involved somehow and supposed to do some writing on it, I guess was held up six months in a London hotel 
and he actually wrote screenplays for his theater play and next movie while he was waiting for his scenes to be shot. Imagine being trapped in a hotel for six months. And then he asked to be removed completely from the movie. He wouldn't take credit for any writing, even though his improv scenes are probably the best in the movie. He's actually quite funny. Too bad the rest of the movie is a damn mess. Yeah. But I always view it as a good indicator to showcase how filmmaking was back in the day, how these powerful people with money, like a producer who just gets the rights to a movie, can just push it through no matter what even if the whole thing is a mess and it doesn't even really make sense. This movie came out the same year as the Sean Connery mo- James Bond movie, You Only yeah. Live Twice. Yeah. So you had two Bond movies the same year. Nobody cared. But it, it's kind of the origin of Woody Allen. And Woody Allen was like a supervillain. This would be his origin story because the best thing that came out of the movie is this quote. I never bothered to see Casino Royale. I knew it would be horrible. The set was a madhouse. I knew then that the only way to make a film is to control it completely. Woody Allen. So <laughs> this basically explains the rest, the, his approach for all his other projects from here on out. Yeah. Then he would write and direct and star in all of them. Because, uh, yeah, it's a hard movie to watch because it drags in places and it is completely crazy yeah. and over the top. But everybody needs to see it at least once so I, I cannot help but recommend it it's got five directors and they don't have a vision so it's completely incoherent well, well peter sellers was basically driving people mad one of the directors was john houston who basically just wanted to go on a hunting trip to ireland mm. so instead of the scheduled weeks he stayed there for a couple of months then packed up and left then uh peter sellers asked his good old buddy uh you know, one of his close friends to come in and help him direct the movie where he wanted to play a more serious Bond. At least that was his approach. The fact that everybody else told him it's a comedy didn't really bother him. The movie has seven people playing James Bond at one point. Oh, yeah. And uh, basically, he got into a fist fight with his friend who was the director, so he quit as well. And after that, it just went crazy. After that, the directors quit one after the other, so they ended up having five directors in total at yeah. least eight different storylines and all sorts of stuff but well, uh, you know, well go ahead man well i would say that the only shining point to the movie is actually the production design is really good i watched it yesterday just before recording this there's a few set pieces there's a it's a set piece with a, a dance sequence there's a set there's actually stages set for some really big props and on top of that which is completely understandable, actually. The movie was a profitable success. And I mostly think that's just because of the brand, Bond. There was a couple of movies before, as you mentioned. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it just rolled. People went to see a Bond movie. The actors actually were involved were really credible as well. So good. it looked good. You know, good people behind it. It was profitable overall. It was eventually released on Blu-ray, by the way. But again, I think this is, this is one of those movies, pretty much like you've been saying, it's more interesting. The, the making of the movie is more interesting than the movie itself. Oh, yeah. Even though it, it, it had uh, it had the makings to be good. Like, a, a quick footnote. David Venn, who was uh, the original, like, basically inspiration for Bond in terms of looks, is actually playing James Bond in this. He's the original Bond who retires and has to come back and yeah. comes up with the plan to name every agent. James Bond and become also M, the yeah. fir- 
Yeah, also the first Bond girl ever, uh, Ursula Andress, is the Bond girl in this movie. Yeah. So again, it's it's a star-studded cast for the time, but uh, yeah, it went incredibly south very very quick. <laughs> and, it, and it was it was a black mark on the on the Bond franchise for decades until obviously Daniel Craig came with the 2006 real. The, you know, serious version of Casino Royale, which I personally yeah. think is one of the best Bonds ever, which is awesome. Yeah, it only took them nearly forty years to get the rights back, which should tell yeah. you how these how these <laughs> how how these rights issues resolve themselves when it comes to the Bond franchise. It's absolutely crazy, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, again very very unique movie, just because it's such a train wreck and it gets so crazy. It it really encompasses the era and even Hollywood to a certain extent where you have all these guys who just don't give a damn about the work. They all collect money. Half of the cast were offered like Cadillacs and cars as rewards for staying on set to endure the craziness yeah. while you have beautiful women everywhere. I mean, yes. seriously. Yes. Uh, Mr. Feldman, the producer, he went on record saying he wants no ugly background dogs, which was his feminist way of saying he just wants pretty women in the entire cast. Well, to be so... <laughs> honest with you, to be honest with you, I will tell you this. I'm not, again, guys and ladies listening, ladies, we're not excluding you. I don't mean to be sexist, but I can tell you right now, Woody Allen has an affinity for beautiful women. And even if we go back to the first movie, What's Up Pussycat, it's a scene where Peter O'Toole is going through his office and there is just, I don't think I've seen a scene, even to this day, with about 50 women in the office that are gorgeous. I mean, this is gorgeous by the, by the, by the you know back in the day a very slim beautiful woman was seen as the, the pinnacle of beauty. But now it's a bit different. But back then it was it was that was an awesome scene. And Woody Allen, as we'll see in the sex movies, he loves beautiful women in all of his movies. In most of his movies, he has young, sexy women. And I know people. It's always a sense of contention that people are like a guy like Woody Allen would never get these kind of girls. But that's part of the funny thing about Woody Allen's movies as well. You know, man, I'm telling you, this is his origin story. You know, uh, Batman's parents got shot. Woody Allen was in Casino Royale. That's how it all started. That's where he gets it from. <laughs> but uh, funny enough, uh, just to wrap this up, because I think he had the least contribution Casino Royale in the, uh, the out of the three movies we just mentioned. I think at the very he was trapped in the hotel. <laughs> like, keep in mind that most people, because they were shooting separate parts for these movies, like at least five different locations. The individual people making the movie had no idea what the others were doing. Yeah. So the parts they improvised, they had no idea how that's going to relate to any other part of the story. Has the reason the final movie doesn't make any sense and involves a dream sequence with a bunch of Scottish bagpipe players. Well, you know, and yeah, no, I, that's, I think that's the end, basically. Woody Allen kills everyone. At the end, Woody Allen explodes and everyone ends no, up in uh, heaven. everybody dies. That, yeah. That's another... But I don't... don't or maybe not, you know, if you want to watch it, you know, keep the tension going. The, the movie, Do they? So, no, it's not a spoiler. It's not the movie's so nonsensical, <laughs> it doesn't matter, guys. I know we spent a long time, but it's a fun movie to talk about, and that's actually probably the best thing about because if you watch the movie, it's so insane and there's a guy on youtube that I, i'm always going to link to people who do very good content by the way there's a guy on youtube who did an excellent 40 minute breakdown of casino royale the 1967 with the Allen version check it out if you want to go deeper into it but again me and simon Lee went on and on about the movie because it's just that fun to talk about but to watch i don't know maybe you should take drugs before you watch casino royale if you want to understand the hollywood Woody Allen entered and the era he came from started with Casino Royale. And uh, that will explain a lot. 
I think, yeah, I think that I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. But yeah, so guys, that's the basis of what I wanted to cover. The first movie we're going to officially talk about in detail to start this retrospective off is Take the Money and Run. So guys, you know what you're in for there. And you know, um, one last thing I want to say is, at the time of this recording, it's interesting to know Woody Allen, let me just get this here. Woody Allen was born on December 1st, 1935, and is currently 81 years old. Now, the funny thing is, when people do retrospectives on the actor, it's usually because they passed away. Like, whenever an actor passes away, <laughs> everyone jumps on the, oh, let's talk about his best movies and stuff like that. I'm happy to say, at the time of this recording, Woody Allen is still alive. I've always wanted to do this retrospective, and I'm glad I've waited until I had a podcast, stuff like that, because I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon. I don't know, just because he's dead, let's do it. No. I, I actually love his work. I'm a fan. He's still alive. And I'm glad we're starting this now because I am a bit weary because a lot of celebrities are passing away now. I'm glad he's still alive making movies so we can talk about him as he continues to wake work and as we continue to get some interaction from his fans and stuff like that. And again, 81 years old still making movies. That is that is amazing. That's amazing. Kirk Douglas turned 100 this year. So Woody Allen's still a couple of good years left in him, I think. You know, keep it, you know. Keep him around for a few more decades. Plenty of good work to be done. I hope so. So, guys, on that note, we're going to wrap up this introduction. Tell us what you think. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us uh, anything you have coming up. And again, I do want to stress again, again, not professional, guys. A lot of you Woody Allen fans are super film snobs. I hate to say it. We're trying to get a general audience in because most of our audience, most of our audience that we're coming from right now don't even like Woody Allen. So we're actually trying to get new blood into this director so help us do that by spreading the word using the hashtag Woody Allen Retro hit us up on Twitter at Planet Tyro email planettyro.gmail.com let anyone you think would know and uh, assignment I want to thank you in advance for joining me on this retrospective I'm really looking forward to doing this with you man you know I still can't believe you said we're not one of the same I will never ever fucking forgive you for that it's just like <laughs> uh, it I, I can't get over it. I can't. Maybe, maybe till maybe till next time. We'll see. Man, I'm not an arsehole like you, and I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, to wrap this uh, introduction po- podcast off, I want to leave this with a with a quote from one of Woody Allen's most recent po- recent interviews he had from his documentary, because I think this is a nice way to end this podcast. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Okay, an angel comes into your room and tells you that you've been given a hundred years, hundred good years, right up to the end, and even still, you know, working. But he can make a deal. Take two years off of that, 98, still not bad, but next year you will finally make the great film that you've always talked about eluding you. You'll make your bicycle thief a grand illusion. Would you make that deal? I would take the two years. You take the two years? And then forget the film. Forget the film. Yeah. Okay. If they were healthy years. Yeah, I'm not that dedicated. Okay, I take the two months. <laughs> <laughs> we should have narrowed that down even more. The film is, uh, you know, the film is the film. Okay, so if you never have that great film, the two years. now you'll know why.